This is your host, Dr. Mesma Shabazz. Good afternoon, everyone, and I'm so happy to be here again with you, and I'm delighted to introduce Dr. Dorothy Martin-Neville, who is a very good friend of mine, and we've known each other for years, many, many years. And we'll tell the story as we go along. Welcome, Daddy. Good to see you, darling. <laughs> so you want to introduce yourself and tell people what you do? I'm Dr. Dorothy Martin-Neville. I am a executive leadership, really business and life coach. Since you can't separate, business is a part of your life and it all works together. I'm a speaker, an author, a woman who has really lived her life is really the best, I think the best part of all of it. A woman who has not survived this journey, who's absolutely lived it. And so that's the biggest piece. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yes. So you and I, as I mentioned earlier, know each other quite well. And you want to share a memory? Oh my God. How many? How many? I'll pick one. A dinner party at your house with many of our friends from Ghana and other countries who came in and saw us. And we had Abe Ozeko from Sierra Leone and Sammy and so many friends, Isaac from Liberia and just yes. uh, friends that came and limed with us and your your beautiful daughter running in and out and doing her life in the midst of all of <laughs> Yeah, that was... <laughs> that was a joyful evening. I remember that. I remember because of you, I was able to get to Anguilla. Yes. And, you know, spend, I think, a week over there. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was oh, lovely. Many wow. memories. I, there's so many to remember. Exactly. All yeah. And helping you move in that place. I remember when you found this place you're in. Yeah. Yes. 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 It's been <laughs> a wonderful story. Uh, and also seeing the kids grow up. Yes, your beautiful little girl. She's a <laughs> So you have an incredible life story yeah. of your childhood. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Um, well, if I share, but it's it's a whole, I've been around a long time. It's a long story. So to make it really quick, I um, was raised in an orphanage to start and was later adopted and by an Irish alcoholic cop and raised in the housing projects of the inner city in Boston. Mass and Southie. I'm a Southie girl and spent my life growing up and doing what, what kids do in the inner city, you know, running from cops, playing whist under the streetlights at night until the cops came and we'd pick up our hands and run so we didn't lose our cards. We wanted we we're to get back and continue the game when they left us. And uh, that was my journey until I finally left that. I became a Catholic nun for a number of years and left religious life. It was a blessing beyond words to my journey. It, it really shot me off in a whole other direction from any I ever would have been able to even think about, much less achieve at another time. And within religious life, I was able to go to college, something I could not have done without being in religious life. And I became a social worker and left religious life, moved to Manhattan, became an international airline stewardess. And eventually I was married for 15 years and divorced with a kindergartner and a fourth grader got my master's and opened up a private practice and was blessed that within three months or so, I had a six-month waiting list that lasted 17 years, so I left the country. And in the meantime, I opened up a school, I opened up a nonprofit, I um, kept accumulating employees, 1099s and full-time employees, and became a real entrepreneurial businesswoman, something whoever would have thought of such a thing. You know, and I've written eight books, so there's there's so much, but yeah. Well, I, I want to touch on a few things, right? Because yeah. when I first learned that you being a Catholic nun, 
surprised me a bit. And I thought, oh my God, how could that happen? But you, you articulate the benefits of being there. And the gift I gave myself without realizing it, it was a, it was a blessing beyond words. Yeah. How did that impact your life? Because it was early in your journey. It was so. early in my journey. Well, I was in Southie, there was an expectation. I would graduate from high school in May and I would marry Michael my boyfriend and sometime that summer and my mom I had said I want to go to college my dad said no I said well I'm going to go to nursing school and found out that when I applied to nursing school although I had excellent grades I've been blessed academics is easy for me I went to an unaccredited inner city high school and so no nursing school in the United States could accept me so college was out nursing school was out my mom said well just become a waitress until you and Michael get pregnant and then stay home and raise your babies and your life will be simple and you don't have to worry about all that foolishness. Okay. Instead of getting married and have our 20 children, Shane and Sean and Colleen and Maureen and all of our children who we knew when all the boys were going to come, the girls, we had them all listed and ready to roll and the innocence of a 17 year old, you know, but instead I knew getting married was fine, but I wanted more and I couldn't have more in that environment. And I found out that some sisters were social workers and I wanted to support women in the inner city to know that they don't have to stay in physically abusive and sexually abusive environments. They have options. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to become a social worker, not knowing social workers went to college. So entering religious life, when I was there, a mother said to me, my long black habit on Mother Superior says, sister, you're going to college. I said, mother, they won't let me in. She goes, if I send you, sister, they will. When you see a Mother Superior with her All hands right. on the Back in the day, that had a lot of power, even with deans of universities. And so I went to college. And once you've got a college degree, nobody cares where you went to high school. Right. And so that opened up doors for me. So when I came out and I went back to Southie and I had nothing in common, I couldn't find many. Some of my friends were dead. Some were in prison. Some of my girlfriends were on welfare, still living in the projects. And I had nothing in common with them. I had been a social worker. I had been working in residential treatment. And, and I wanted to see the world. And since I had a vile poverty all those years, I had no money. And so the best way to see the world was to become an international airline stewardess. And so I moved to Manhattan, became a TWA airline stewardess and flew around the world. And that, my goodness, I saw a world I never even knew existed. It, it, but the gift of it was it let me see no matter how different we are, we are all, all so the same. same. And all striving for the same things, right? Right. Well, we want our babies to be happy. And if our babies are 40, we want our babies to be happy. And we... Nothing changes. We're all in this together. We all walk the same world. And exactly. that was a gift. So religious life opened up my heart to unlimited potential. And it opened up my realization, ironically, that I was raised in a strong Irish Catholic environment. And within religious life, I recognized the difference between religion and spirituality. Right. And that was, again, a massive gift. So my education, the realization that spirituality has nothing to do with religion. And religion maybe, at all, yes. Maybe a contradiction to religion. So there was a whole world religious life opened up to me that I will be eternally grateful for. Well, as we're talking about spirituality and religious life, let me oh, chime in this, that I always impress upon my clients and people I know that they should have a spiritual practice of oh some sort. Goodness, yes. And as we're on the topic, I'd like to ask you, how does that support our well-being, in your opinion? My goodness, a solid spiritual practice ensures our well-being. 
it doesn't ensure wealth in the, in the physical financial sense. But when you have a solid practice spiritually, you know you have never walked one moment on this earth alone. And there is a heart-soul connection that has you walking in a state of inner peace. And with inner peace comes joy. And with joy and inner peace comes physical health and emotional health and spiritual health. So to me, if you're going to have that presence of peace in your life, you need to develop a spiritual practice. I, to all of my clients and all of my, I'm past president of the National Speakers Association here in Connecticut, to all of my audiences and to all of my clients and my students, and I've always said faith and humor mm-hmm. are the two secrets to walking this journey. Right. Uh, it doesn't matter to me what your faith system is, that's irrelevant, but having a faith system, and I don't practice religion, yet I'm immensely spiritual. I, I don't know how I could go through this journey without that. That's beautifully said. How do you use humor in your work? Constantly, constantly. I think we have to have the ability to laugh at our own craziness. I think we're all a wee bit crazy. And if you can identify your craziness, it doesn't get in your way. When you see somebody who is so, and you say, oh, a little bit rigid there. I am not rigid. This is just the way (laughs) it's supposed to be. I think, oh my God, the way it's supposed to be. You are so tight. Oh, when you can laugh at your own craziness and say, oh, God, this is my craziness. For myself, I pay a bill the day it comes in. And if I can't pay the whole thing, I pay some of it. But a bill is paid the day it comes in. I don't want to owe anybody anything. And I can't stand a dirty house. So right. that is about the extent of my rigidness. I'm pretty flexible, fluid person. But, but I don't want to owe anybody a penny. I can't stand a dirty house. If a meeting starts at six, it starts at six. If it ends at seven, it ends at seven. Not 7.20, 7.15. People have babysitters. People have other places to go. They may have another meeting. Start and stop. What you do within that, I don't give a darn, but start and stop, you know? Right. So so there's some structure to me is important. But when people say to me, are we a bit rigid? I can laugh at them and say, yeah, I know, huh? Right. You know, versus how dare you say that about me? It's like, no, you're craziness. Yeah, I can be a little anal. So let's uh-huh. <laughs> Other people can be really controlling. And they say, I'm not controlling. I just know how it's supposed to be. All right, well, you're rather different. <laughs> And when you say you're a little bit controlling, well, I guess that did show up. Yep, it did, darling. So we're going to ignore it right now. And then we can laugh at that tendency to be controlling and and walk around it. So when you laugh at yourself and lovingly laugh at the people in your journey, I think there's an intimacy that connects you. There's an intimacy that says my heart sees your heart, my soul sees your soul. And that humor allows us not to take ourselves or life too seriously. I always say we have to become enchanted with our lives. Oh, I love that saying. Oh, that oh, that's, that's a beautiful saying. I like that. Yeah. You know, and, and just go with it sometimes and be silly sometimes even. Why not? Why not? Right. Look at some of the men we've known. They, they make you laugh. Some of the creatures we've walked into our lives together. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen, I've seen some and, you know, I want to like tap my cheeks and say, what was <laughs> What were you thinking that day? All of them, we could just say, whoops, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you might don't. listen to this, you know. <laughs> and, and we're just telling truth here. And you, you are a teacher in so many ways, not only in the classroom, but, uh, but right. also in the classroom. 
you want to share a light on that? Well, I've been, well, I taught in graduate school. I taught at St. Joe's University. I taught in the graduate school over there for a number of years. I uh, was a clinic instructor at UConn Medical School for a number of years. I founded my own school for 19 years, the Institute of Healing Arts and Sciences, and taught a method of energy medicine that I created to physicians, nurses, OTs, PTs, massage therapists, and some lay people who wanted to open up healing practices and some who just wanted to do their own depth healings. But some of us just teach. It's, it's who we are. You don't need a class, you need an audience of one, and you're, you're, you want to open somebody's mind, you want to expand them. So I offer courses now, I'm offering a course starting in January on um, how your personality impacts your health. Different personalities hold stress differently. I'm offering a course, and this just an eight-week course online, but again, I love to teach. So if I can expose people to how their personality impacts their health, whether it is in maintenance or overcoming some theoretical serious disease that they can overcome with the mind shift, you know, so always, how, how can I help? How can I, how can I help people become freer than they are of the belief systems that hold them down? And you talked about being a clinical instructor and, you know, you had a healing practice. Right. I was a psychotherapist in private practice up in West Hartford for 20 years. And um, within that, about three years in, I started to notice that people with certain personalities were developing particular disorders. And this personality would develop that disorder. And people would say to me, friends of mine, when they were MDs, I'd say, have you noticed? Nah, it's it's coincidental. But I can predict it. It's no longer coincidental. It, It may not be empirical data, but it's important data. I became certified in nine modalities of integrative healthcare. And my patients who were on my waiting list, I was blessed with that six-month waiting list, said to me, teach us what, we, what you know while we're waiting to work with you. You know, when you don't know what you know, you, you just keep learning. Right. And so I put together a program, which ultimately ended up being a four-year program in energy medicine, which I had there. For, as I said, I had the whole school for 19 years. But life goes on. Life goes on. And, and it's a meander. The path kind of meanders into something else. But I remember even coming to you many years ago when I was in trouble health-wise and you helped me through it. So I'm very, very grateful I had you. Thank you. I'm so glad I could be there for you. We had some very close, wonderful times. Yes, yes. Now, you're a mother of two kids. I am. Well, I've been blessed. Yes. Yes. Do you want to update us on how things are? I will. My Amy is, um, she became a pediatric nurse practitioner and has had a a thriving practice for years and now is a, works in orthopedic surgery at at Yale and in pediatrics and loves it. She's got three, I want to say babies, but they're not babies. They're adults, high school and older. So in my, my middle grandchild is in college, she's getting her doctorate as a physical therapist. Oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So in my oldest granddaughter is been married now about two years and it's just a beautiful, a beautiful bride and they're establishing a beautiful home. She decorates beautifully. And she's there and the little one's still in high school. And my son lives in Atlanta and he's, he's, he's a blessing. Each is a blessing in such a different way. Mike was in, when he got out of college, he joined Teach for America. He joined the Peace Corps. He joined Teach for America for a number of years and taught in the inner city in Atlanta and then opened up a business, was extremely successful and retired from that job 
and when he turned 40. And now he opened up a nonprofit allyship to help eliminate racism. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Talking about racism, I know it's something I know you're passionate about uh, in really teaching people on the ways we've been misinformed and giving tools for people to heal the divide amongst us, right? And we've got to dismantle racism. We have got to dismantle it and, and change the face of ignorance in this country, in the world. But let's start with this country and then spread out. We've got to, unless we're involved in politics and internationally, then, then we can do this on a larger scale. But we've got to look at the ignorance that is being perpetuated. Because I truly believe racism, any ism, is a byproduct of ignorance. How can you, anybody you truly see, how can you not fall in love with their heart? And if you allow yourself to truly see somebody, you're going to love them. You may be enraged by some of their actions, but you're going to see the exquisiteness in who they are. And slap their little head when they do something stupid, but but you see exquisiteness. And so to me, racism is an informed ignorance. It's misinformed ignorance that perpetuates fears. And with the fears being present, people would act in ways that are not so wholesome. And the long-range goal is with open heart and exposure, people recognize the the insidiousness in the systems within America in racism. But in the short term, we've got to work against, yes, education and all of that is a long-range thing, but in the immediacy, how can we stop it? What can we do to abruptly end whenever we see it taking place? And to me, that means every single one of us. When I hear somebody make a comment, Mm. and I say, even if it's not to me, if it's in my circle, I mean, I'm not going to talk to some stranger on the other side of Union Station, but if it's in my circle, excuse me, do you have any clue what you just said? Right. Recognize what, what you just did. Not only was that statement based in ignorance, but let me tell you where the mistake is. And But it means to be an ally as a white woman, to be an ally in eliminating racism. Because I, I cannot walk in the Black experience, but as an ally, I've loved many, many, right. many who are Black. And I have many close friends who, who are Black. But as an ally, what I can know is that I can't just have great thoughts. I've got to have action. I've got to be willing to take the risk to say, excuse me, this is somebody I love. Even if it's somebody I don't even know, do you realize what you just said about this individual is based on pure ignorance? And yes, somebody may not like me, I will survive that trauma. That if we're going to be changers, if we're gonna be change makers on this planet, we have to be willing to be unliked. We have to be willing to be slightly unpopular in some circles. We have to be willing to take a risk. We can't play it safe and change the world for better. We've got to be willing to take the risks we need to eliminate racism and to call others to see people, not color. And to to recognize our own humanity, right? Our own humanity and also the exquisiteness of different cultures. God bless us, the different cultures. There's a beauty to the Irish culture where I was raised. There's a beauty to the Italian culture. There's a beauty beauty to the Black American culture. culture. There's a beauty to the Ghanaian culture. Each culture is in, there's no white culture and Black culture. There's a thousand. There's a human, right? And and we all have a, (laughs) it's amazing. I think 
the people who deny themselves the opportunity to learn about others are living in a bubble, right? In in other words, closed bubble, because this world is full of so many beautiful things. Beautiful. And it's right there. I remember when I was once growing up, we would go to Isaac's, a friend, a mutual friend of ours from Liberia. And when there would be an African holiday, Isaac would put the rug out in this great big bowl and we'd sit in the, on the floor in the pala, on the living room, whatever you call here. And we would just eat from the bowl, all of us, and have fun. And Jewish holidays, we would go to Hannah's house. And right. then Christian holidays, we would come to my house. And we this beauty of exposing the children to, and they would either not like a food or like a food. They couldn't care less where it was from and what culture it was from. They didn't like about the fish. They didn't care if it was Irish or Italian or Jewish, right. they didn't like it, all right? <laughs> and if they loved something, it didn't matter where it came from, they loved it. Plantains, my goodness, they loved them. And there's just exposing children to different worlds, to the Caribbean, to Africa, to Italy, to all of it. It's a beauty. And I think the divine created these things so we would enjoy them, not yeah. to isolate ourselves from it, right? Oh, and to be enriched because you're right. enriched. Right. You are enriched when you have friends from all over the globe. But let's start with even friends from all over America. Right. Southern yeah. eating is different than than the North Northeast. And-, and so it's just and it's just different. Enjoy the differences. Enjoy the, the beauty. In the beauty and the yeah. lusciousness of, of, of it all. All of it. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's yummy. I, I just love it. So as we're talking about life in general, and as a mother, and I want to stay on this a little bit, women go through a lot of mm. challenges, raising right. children, being mothers, wives, being also have professionals, having right. careers, et cetera. And combining all these things can be overwhelming. Yeah. Oh, and do you have any helpful strategies people could use to support whatever it is that they're doing? I would say no matter what their life situation is, women, it doesn't matter their economic status. It doesn't matter whether they're entrepreneurs or they work in an organization or they work in, in daycare, whatever, you must remember your balance, your presence in your own spirit is the strength you bring to the world. I remember when my kids were little and I was divorced and with my kindergartner and fourth grader and after dinner and then they would go to bed, then I would start laundry. Then I would clean the house. Then I would do this. Then I'd get ready for their lunches in the morning. Then I would go over and prepare for my clients tomorrow. And, and, and I'd be in bed by midnight. And it finally it dawned on me, you walk around exhausted all the time. And then I said, okay, I'm going to start going to bed at nine o'clock. And so then I said it, that whatever wasn't done at nine o'clock, it stopped. And at nine o'clock, I would go to bed. I may take a bubble bath with a glass of wine. I may have a cup of tea and sit in bed and read. Mm -hmm. I may just do meditation. I may get on the phone with a girlfriend. But at nine o'clock, I was me. I wasn't a mom. I wasn't a therapist. I wasn't a homeowner. I was me. And I think that remembrance that with all the roles we play as women, if we have children, we're moms. If we don't have children, we're daughters, we're friends, Friends, we're neighbors, we're everything. And we've got all of these roles and we forget we aren't the roles we play. Right. Our roles change all the time, but our presence, our essence is us. Right. We have to 
daily, not when we get a chance, because we'll never get that chance, because we can always find somebody else who needs something or something in the house that needs to be done. Set a time, whatever your time is, that that becomes your time, that becomes you. Even if you're in a relationship, you need, whether you're married or living with somebody or whatever, you need that me time to remember the woman that has none of those roles, none of those roles. I would say that my me time is late evening and early in the morning. I do not take calls in the morning, early in the mornings, or it takes me time. But after nine o'clock in the morning, I'm ready to go. Anytime before that is me time. Good for you. Congratulations. You know, I center myself, do whatever I need to do, enjoy my cup of coffee, take a sip at a time and really cross my legs and reflect on what my day is going to be like. Right. Really center myself before I engage anybody else and the world, right? Because otherwise, we never find time, as you're saying, to really be present within ourselves within ourselves and and I, I to me i do it in the evening and in the morning i always do a meditation before i get out of bed but once i get out of bed the first thing i do is come into my office area here and look at my day and when i look at my day i pray for the people i'm going to meet that i can be of service that i'm going to be seeing today or working whether it's physical or on zoom or on the phone whatever it may be and then i do the work i've come here to do so with each meeting of the day, I'm already spiritually prepared by the time it shows up because I spend time in the morning while my tea water, I'm a tea drinker, not a coffee drinker, while my tea water was on, boiling away, I looked and prayed and prepared for whatever's happening that day. So every one of us, I mean, there's no right way to do this. You're a morning person. I'm a night person. I have my morning meditation. But once I get out of bed, it is my preparation for the day. And then my, all right, I exist away from everybody. And when the day is over, it's going to be me again. And I will be here. I want to say I do two. I take it a night and the morning. Bless you. (laughs) I'm so glad. (laughs) Deep into the night and then early in the morning is my time. We know what we need to be us, to be our best selves. Yeah, I don't play with that at all. Uh Every day. So what would you share with the young girls? Oh, golly. I've got two young ones. I don't think they're young anymore, but two young little ones. What would I share with them? Don't take your life or yourself too seriously. God bless us. You are going to go through a hundred changes in the midst of this journey. Be open to your own evolvement. And no matter what stage you're at, you do not have all the answers. You don't even know all the questions. Mm -hmm. So be wildly open to the experiences, the journey. To me, this is an adventure. So it's like, this is a journey, this adventure that we're walking. Be wide open to all the opportunities for growth and joy and adventure that show up. You know, don't get caught in achieving. Don't get caught in this intense goal of success, whatever on earth that means to you. Yes, work to know what, know the success you want to achieve. And it may be an amazing family life with a husband or a wife and children. If that's your vision, go for it. All right. Mm-hmm. But don't go for it intensely. Go for right. it with an open heart and an adventure. And if it's, if it's to be an entrepreneur or to work in corporate someplace, follow your dreams. 
but know that you will going to have a hundred dreams in this journey. You will not, but God willing, you will not be stuck with one dream. You will have a hundred different dreams on this journey and be, each dream leads to the next and be ready for the next one that's coming so that you don't, you work towards this one, but you don't take it so seriously. It is not your life. It is simply your next dream. Enjoy the trip. I see you express living their life of dreams. And I know you've written several books on the topic. Do you want to share a few? Um, My very first book is Dreams Are Only the Beginning of Becoming Who You Are Meant to Be. And and I've got others and they all go into dreams. Following your dreams gives you physical health, emotional health, and spiritual health. And I've got many. I've written several books on leadership as well. My last book actually is, I'll show you this one right here, and then we can discuss dreams. This is Real Women Change the World. Letting the good girl die so the real woman can live. You know, do not give up your dreams in order to be a good girl, (laughs) to be unintimidating, to be kind and nice. Always be loving and gentle, but not nice. That's a different. The good girl is the girl who lives by everybody else's value systems and never has permission to have her own value systems. But in following your dreams, I truly believe, I mean, just, just imagine, and to do this quickly, you're here getting out of high school and you want to be a school teacher and you have this vision of becoming a school teacher. You find a college that offers that degree. And in the process, you generally move out of the house from your parents. You live on campus, you're independent, which you've been waiting for since you were eight years old. You couldn't wait to live on your own because you were grown up at eight until you realized maybe not. So now at 18, here you are moving on to a college campus. And what ends up happening is with all the courses you take, with all the new ways of doing friendship, the new ways of being responsible for your own laundry, for how you eat, for working out, for doing your studies, for doing all of those things, by the time you graduate and you get in the classroom, you're not the 18-year-old who wanted to be a teacher. You have shifted and grown and changed. And you may be in that classroom six months, six years and realize, ooh, You did not make a mistake. You followed that dream. And what happened is you climbed this mountaintop. You climbed this mountaintop with every new experience you had, every love you had, every love you lost, every friend you made, every friend you lost, all of those things that you learned about yourself and you learned about life have now created a woman that didn't exist at 18. And in that classroom, recognize that you've climbed this mountaintop. You now have a vista. You never had at 18. With that undergraduate degree, there's a world out there that you could explore. What is your next dream? And realize that whatever that next dream is, whatever you decide, you're going to jump off another cliff and you're going to climb another mountain and you're going to go higher and higher with more skills, more abilities, more wisdom, God willing, more awareness of life, more awareness of your own strengths that you didn't know you had, limitations you didn't know you had, but an ability to achieve so much more that this 22 or 23-year-old can't achieve. So by the time you're 28, my God, there's an even more evolved woman with more ability to follow more dreams. And knowing that, I think truly knowing that when we're young, if we can believe that, I'm some sweet little old lady over here and they may not believe me, even if I think I'm a gorgeous middle-aged young chick. It's another illusion. I'm going with my illusions. But it's there's just, it's endless, endless. It is endless. And, and I'd as, love them to know that. As you so expressly state the ups and downs that come with this journey. 
and knowing that there is, is a right way to get around that, that yeah. you would experience that ups and downs, but it is part of the growing process. It's, it's everybody has it. Some hide it and pretend they've never had ups and downs. Uh, there isn't any of us, whether it, by the time you reach 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever, none of us have gotten out unscathed, whether it is divorces, whether it is job losses, whether it's lost friendships, whether it's dreams we had, parties we wanted to attend, we weren't invited to, friendships we wanted that didn't work out, lovers we wanted that didn't happen. Betrayals, disappointments. Yeah, betrayals, disappointments, some dreams, it looked like it was going to work and then collapsed. And then you had to start all over again and go to another dream. That's the journey. Um, And you can start hating yourself because you're a failure. Or you can recognize that's the journey. What have I learned from this experience? What have I learned when that dream didn't work out? What have I learned about me and about how I do relationship when that relationship didn't work out? Mm -hmm. What do I know about me and friendships when that friendship didn't work out? And sometimes, you know, friendships end in rage and anger and hatred and because somebody feels betrayed and something happens. And sometimes, as you know, we move, we move away. We move to other countries, we move to other states, we move to other areas. And we, we don't have cross oceans. Right. You know, we don't have that same physical proximity. So it changes, but it doesn't have to end. It's just transformed to something that you and I can pick up. It's as if it's been a week since we saw each other, you know. Um, right we're still here we just catch up with all the things that have happened since mm-hmm. but Life there's still, still that intimacy and it's there um recognize that things come into your life and go that that biblical component you know that um some things come in for a reason and some for a season and, and this is the journey this is know? the journey this is the journey so yeah. as as we're talking about this and we're both in the business of empowering women. Yeah. Uh, what approach, what is your approach or what would you tell women, um, you know, the ways in which they can really stand within their power? Oh, goodness. What I can tell you is what my clients frequently have said about me is I hold their heart while I kick their ass. Uh, <laughs> I knew you would say something like that. And, and that's truly what I do. I, I really come to love completely all the people. Again, how can you not truly see somebody's heart and soul and not love who they are? Oh, all right? my God. So, you know, I'll get you know, in trouble with that because my heart is just out there. So huge. Your heart is huge. And so, yeah, so we, we really come to love and respect these people we're blessed to work with. And what I do is I work with them as a leadership coach. I want them to be the leaders of their own lives. I don't want them to passively go along, not invested in their journey. And so to me, it's how can I help you become absolutely invested in your life? And I, it's not up to me what your life looks like. What do you want it to look like? I'm not going to tell you what it should look like. I have no clue. This is your spiritual journey. I'm only assisting you at this stage of it going forward. But it's working with them to recognize that if there's anything we don't have, it's usually because of a belief system we possess. So what's the belief system you have that is making it impossible to achieve the dream you truly want? Because I honestly believe when we know we can't, we can't, we're right. When we wake up one day and realize maybe we can, you're right, you can. Yes, we can. (laughs) So it's, what do you want? There you go. 
it's just willing to pay the price. And in rarely, in my experience, is the price financial. You know, there may be a financial element to things, mm-hmm. but the far bigger price is that willingness to be transformed, that willingness to grow, that willingness to give up these imaginary belief systems that are the right ones. Right, and, and just flow. Is, yeah. Just being yeah. and the flow of it is it's just beautiful. Be, be powerful, not aggressive. Be assertive, but be powerful. Expect change and create change, but don't expect others to do it for you. Others may do it with you, but don't be expecting others to do it for you. Take ownership of your journey. Take ownership of where you want to go. And if you need help to get there, bring the help in. And whether help is a coach like us or help is a friend who was able to say to you, you dumb schmuck, do you know what you just did? Right. And you can hear her or him and say, oh my God, I don't realize I did that. Let me fix that. And then step back. And I, I, I didn't realize I was going in the wrong direction. Let me step back and go there. And with love, people can support you. And whether it's professional support or a friendship, reach out when you need help. Independence does not mean self-sufficiency. Independence means I know what I need. And I have the ability to make it happen. And sometimes that means I call a girlfriend to sob on her shoulders and I let all that stress go. Sometimes it means I call somebody to kick me in the butt because I know I'm getting my own way, but I don't know how. And they can help me get out of this. So give yourself permission to be human, to be real. And if you do that, there's nothing in the world to stop you from achieving whatever it is you want to achieve, whatever that looks like. Yeah, whatever it is. It doesn't necessarily have to be out there, but within itself, it could be in here. It could be in here. I've written eight books. And when when I speak to friends and they'll say to me, oh, I'd love to write a book. I said, well, so write it. Oh, but God, no, it takes so much time to write a book. Uh, Yeah, I do a little bit about it after eight. I think I've got it down a bit. So if you need some guidance, buy a glass of wine. I'll the price of a glass of wine. I'll sit here and I'll give you an outline how to do it, what you need to do and get it done and it's over with. Oh, I think I'm busy that night. Whatever night you were thinking of getting together. I can't do it. <laughs> and it's like, ooh, I oh, want it to be a dream I want. I don't want it to be a dream I achieve. That's too scary. Right. So let's step back and look at what what is a dream that you're so frightened of having. That and that there, there are opportunities steps. that come up and grab them as they present themselves, right? It comes through many avenues, through then, friends, through, as you said, teachers, coaches, whatever and, you know, wherever it comes from, is whatever. to accept it. It's just, I was with a friend from New York City the other day, and he said, he was talking to me about something, and he said, I've decided this year, I'm putting out everything it is I want. And he said, I want to I want to meet George Clooney and I want to, he's writing, he's making a movie now out of a book I read. I love the author and I want to meet that author. And I said, so how do you know how to reach George Clooney? And he said, no. I said, do you know anybody? I said, I think I may know somebody who knows George Clooney. He said, you do. I said, yeah. He said, oh my God. Oh my God. And somebody else was here and said, well, who's the author? What's the book? Do you know where he teaches? He teaches at such and such university. Oh my God. God. Right. I used to teach at another university. I could reach him. And now it's like, put it out there. You never know how it's coming in, right? The divine drops it in. And when you keep it in here, because somebody's going to steal your idea and I'm not going to share it with anybody. And then you wonder why it's not flourishing. No plant flourishes in the dark when it's hidden in a cave. Put it out there. 
You have no idea. I was at a group with a meeting with somebody once and they said, if you can meet anybody in the whole world, who would it be? And I would say, oh my God, that woman from Shark Tank. I want Barbara Cochran. I want to meet Barbara Cochran. My best friend's her assistant. Here, let me give you her phone number. And it's like, what? Right. It's <laughs> and, and to me, it's the audacity to say you want to meet somebody that important. But yeah, have the audacity. You know, I'm doing, I'm facilitating a global conference in February. And they said to me, what do you, what title do you want? How do you want to do this? And I said, how about the audacity of courage? So mm-hmm. the title of the conference is the audacity of courage to be so audacious that you have the courage to reach for everything. Anything you want, right? And just be it, audacious. It show itself up so yeah. many, 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 many ways. Be audacious. Go for it. Life is short. And we should enjoy every aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and so, oh my God, when I get to this time in our <laughs> conversation, because we're just about really getting deeper and rolling with it, but time comes time in is what it and is. we're both, and appreciate you really taking the time to come on on such short notice. I know you're Oh, I love spending time with you. It's so good to see you. But I can't let you go without asking you this question. Who is a woman of power and grace? I mean, you're here as a woman of power and grace. Right. So we can end on that note. Do you mean what, an individual or do you mean? An attribute. Attributes. Oh, my like goodness. That. To me, look at Michelle Obama. Right. I mean, just oh, my God. My Does she not have... There's a grace, there's a presence, and it doesn't just come from her sense of self. It comes from that sense of self that is so open and loving mm-hmm. and that wants so much for others. And so to me, a woman, a woman of grace, a woman of, of such power, and we all have that power. Right. Not all of us choose to claim and own that power. But we all have equal power. But the grace comes in our ability to lovingly use our power to transform ourselves, the planet, and all the people we meet to the extent that they are willing to be transformed. And what Michelle does, what I try to do, my humble way, is really help people identify strengths or gifts in themselves they may not see that free them to become everything they are called to be in this journey. And when she walks in a room, she claims it, she owns it. She doesn't own it because she's in charge. And do you know who she is? Um, She just walks in the room and she claims it because her presence says, I am. And And as you were talking about Barbara, I was thinking, you know, if you asked me who I wanted to meet, I was going to say Michelle. So it's interesting we both acknowledging her as a woman of power and grace. Right. She truly is. But again, truly, it isn't just because she's claimed that I am. And that's a term I use with my people. I want to help them claim their I am. No, this is who I am. Not what I do, not the roles I play. This is who I am. She claims that I am and all of the weaknesses she possesses and all of the strengths she possesses and all of the growth she hasn't achieved yet. And in all the growth she has achieved, she's willing to own all of it. And with that, continue in spite of all of that to help 
make this world a better place, whether she is working to dismantle racism, whether she is working to support women living the fullness of who they are, whether it is international. What it doesn't matter. Healthy foods, it doesn't matter. Her presence when she is with you is fully there. And what how humble and yet how powerful we need to be to be fully present. And being fully present is, is not power over anything. It's just being the being. full expression of who we meant to be. Because think when you sit right. and you own that. Yes. You give everybody in the room permission to own that. Right. When you go here, you call people down with you. When you're no, there, we're doing this. You call people up. We're doing this with attitude. Right. Yeah. Eat your heart. With hide. attitude. <laughs> Eat your heart out. Here right. I am. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Daddy, thank you so, so, so much for being present with me today and all the women that are listening to this conversation is thank you for this chance yeah thank Thank you for the chance to share it it's wonderful to see you darling it is you as well you as well (laughs) and we'll do this again okay i'm wide open